Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we offer resources to equip you and stories to inspire you on your adoption journey. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. So this week, I am super excited to bring you a topic we have actually never covered here on the podcast um, and share a story with you. It is about embryo adoption. But before we jump into that, um, I have Rachel Bell with me. And so Rachel, will you just start by introducing yourself to our audience? I live in Arkansas. I have four kiddos and husband. Um, <laughs> all four of our kids joined our family through adoption. Only the youngest joined our family through embryo adoption, and he is about to celebrate his first birthday. I have worked in the realm of supporting foster and adoptive families for the last 10-ish years, and I'm just right now transitioning to opening a travel business that really specializes in uh, making travel accessible for people with food allergies or disabilities. I'm so excited for you in that space. First of all, I love to travel. Second of all, I know what it's like to travel with kids with all kinds of needs. We have some of our own like food sensitivities and all the things, and it just makes it more complicated. And so it's great to know that there's someone out there who understands all of that. Yes. Yeah. I remember you, you can't, you were a speaker at the WIC retreat, which I ran for seven years. You were our final speaker. And I remember that you had some food allergies because I used to manage all that. So, or some food sensitivities. Yeah. And I was super grateful. And it's always great when there's a, like a place that you're going to speak and someone really actually understands right. that because right. you'd be surprised how many times you like put that on a form, a speaker form. And I don't <laughs> right. know who reads this forms, clearly not right. everybody. Right. And we show up somewhere and I'm like, ah, that's, that looks really yummy. And also I probably can't eat that. So, right. Right. Exactly. And it, it's like, Oh, you want it to be gluten-free? Like uh, pick the bread off. So <laughs> hey, that's not really gluten-free. Yeah. So, and also I find that when I'm traveling, I, I want to be extra careful. And because I also often travel and speak for work, like you don't want to feel gross when you're supposed to be on. Right. When you told me your adoption story, when we met up in not Arkansas, I think we were in Missouri actually. (laughs) And you told me about embryo adoption. And I of course knew about it and folks have, I'm sure we have folks in our community who have done it, but I've never had the chance to really dive into that. And so I thought, Hmm, podcast interview, great story. And so I'm, what made you decide after? So, okay. First of all, let me back up your first three adoptions were, were they foster care, private infant international? Um, we adopted our first three kids through foster care. Um, our first two were like available. We never came into their story until the foster care part was over. They had had their parental rights terminated. And then our third child, we actually fostered him originally and then adopted him. Okay. And so then what made you decide to pursue embryo adoption for your fourth? To get to how we chose embryo adoption, I have to back up just a little bit. I'll do like the super fast version of all of that. But I always, so growing up, I was one of three kids and that odd number, like kind of bit me in the 
but sometimes like I would be the one, you know, like mom would like, if we we're at a theme park, like my mom and sister would get on a ride because she was younger and my dad and my brother would get on a ride. And then I would ride by myself or we'd go horseback riding. And it was like the little kids rode each road with the parent. And then I rode by myself for like, what, when it, anytime there was a pair up, I would be by myself. And I'm like, you know, this is not cool. And I'm going to have an even number of kids. So I always wanted so, an even number of kids too. Yeah, so everybody has a person, right? Yes. So I decided like early on, like I'm talking like little kid, like I'm having four kids Two, I want a lot of kids, not a ton of kids, like a medium number of kids. Two's not enough. Six feels too many. Four is my even number. That's so, exactly <laughs> what I thought. I'm not even kidding you. We ended up with six, so that's a different story, but same reasons. Two didn't feel like enough. Four felt like almost a little too much, but I was so set on the even number. But it has to be even. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. So like I started dating my husband and, you know, we like start talking about family, whatever. Like he's a guy, he doesn't like care how many kids he has. You know, he's like, I haven't, he hasn't really considered that. He hasn't, he, but I'm like, we're having four kids and he's like, oh, okay, good to know. (laughs) So, so. Four was always our number. Like we were always shooting for four and I'm three as if we're going to talk about the Enneagram. And so I have goals and I had that goal since I was a little kid. So, you know, four was the number. So we, you know, um, our first two kiddos were kind of a surprise to us in that, like, we weren't really planning to adopt. We were, um, 24 and 23 when we met our oldest son, um, a friend was fostering him and we got to know him that way. Uh, ended up really falling in love with him and we adopted him. And that wasn't, it wasn't like we set out to adopt or we were infertile and that's how we adopted or, or anything like that. Like um, we just met him, fell in love with him and adopted him. And then the same thing happened with our daughter. She was, um, it was really fast after we adopted our son, the same friend started fostering her. And uh, we were really connected with that friend at that point um, because of our relationship through our son and um, same thing, fell in love with her, tried to adopt her. It all worked out. We had, we went from newlyweds to a family of four really fast and really easily. It, it all worked out easy. Like it all came quickly and people were, would ask us where people would love to know, like if we couldn't have kids and if, you know, why we did that and what we were, but, and, and it annoyed me at the time. Um, like, it's not your business. What, and we don't even know if we can have kids and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so then uh, we had these two kids. Everything was going along. I, you know, it was a lot really fast. And so I still wanted four kids, but we wanted to slow down a little, slow the slow the roll. Um, so we just went along as a family of four for a few years. Then we decided we were ready to have a third. And it was like, okay, well, what do we do like do we try to have a baby because that's what other people do do we adopt because that's going well for like we know how much we love our kids we know we don't need a biological child to love a child you know we had had the privilege of of knowing like what it was like to adopt and so we um we're just kind of trying to figure that out when someone called us and told us about a baby who needed a family we decided we were going to move forward with adopting that baby um, and then not too long after all that took place, we had met the birth mother, been talking to her regularly. She kind of ghosted us. And then um, we found out she decided to parent the baby, which was our first experience. And then we ended up having several like that. But um, at the time, I didn't, 
um, it was very hard for us to think we were going to have a baby and then to not. And now, now I would tell you, like, I think that's best case scenario for that baby to be with his mama. If that's a possibility for her, I don't know that I would have been able to tell you that back then, but that happened. And then like a, you know, so we're back to what do we do? Do we try to have a baby? Do we adopt a baby? What do we do? And then we had two, let's see, three more situations um, where we were trying to adopt and it did not work out for whatever reason. And we had a birth mom that decided she still wanted to place her baby for adoption, but she didn't want to place it her. She didn't want to place her with us because we lived out of state and she wanted to find a family in her own state. Um, that was devastating because she still, that was even more devastating because she still placed the baby. She just, we weren't good enough, you know? Um, and so we had a lot of situations like that and this is all very complicated, but we ended up getting our home open again to foster to, to adopt through foster care. And there was a specific child, just like our first two that we knew personally, we'd fallen in love with her. She was available for adoption. We got our home open just for her. Um, the state ended up choosing a different family for her. We were devastated. I haven't seen her since. Um, it was very tragic for us. And, and we, and I told our worker to close our home. She didn't listen to me. She didn't close our home. And she called me about a month later and she said, you know, I have this baby. Um, he needs a foster family, but I really think it's going to end in adoption. And I thought of you guys, and I know you told me to close your home, but I didn't. And do you want to foster this baby? And so ended up saying yes to her. We did foster him for 11 months and then we adopted him. Um, and that's our third son. And so, um, you know, we're still going along wanting four kids. Um, we have another situation where someone calls us, they have a baby who needs a family. And so we were going to move forward with adopting that baby as our final baby. It was a girl. We were going to have two boys and two girls and be done. And she decided to parent her baby. So after that, I just, you know, was kind of like, <laughs> what are we, like, there's, there's an easier way to do this. You know, like some people just get pregnant have a baby. It's nobody else's business. Like they just do that. Why don't we just do that instead of going back and forth on all of these, you know, we get our hopes up and then we get our hopes dashed and the kids, you know, so we started trying to get pregnant. Um, just because that seemed like the easier option for us at the time we tried for a year and a half, um, and there were no pregnancies. So I went to my doctor, um, and I was like, you know, we've been trying for a year and a half and I'm not pregnant. I don't have any reason to think anything's wrong, but that seems like a long time. And she's like, yeah, that's a long time. You should have come in earlier. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so, so she did some tests and she very quickly was able to tell us that we were not going to be able to conceive a biological child. Um, with us, it was a conception issue and not a carrying issue. As soon as she explained all of that, I had heard of embryo adoption, which is, you know, perfect for someone who can't conceive but can carry or could potentially carry. I guess I didn't know if I could. Um, so I started really looking into that. And, and that's what got us there, like, to even open the door to that. All of those things, you know, we'd had, we'd tried to adopt what? 
eight children and we had three children and then we tried for a year to have a baby and didn't have a baby. And so that's how we even got there in the first place. What is the grief and infertility journey like for an Enneagram three who really likes to have a plan and know how things are going to work out? So on the one hand, my grief was different three kids in than it would have been if we had discovered that we couldn't have a baby, you know, at the beginning when we had no kids, like I just like on the one hand, I was like, you're not sad. Like you have three kids, you have three kids you love and you're very grateful for your three kids. And like, you're fine. You know, on the other hand, I was a little frustrated because I was like, God, really? Like we're different than most families I know in that we would take any baby in any way, like, or child, like one of those adoptions was not a baby. It was a child. And like, why, why is it so hard to get to four kids whenever you would take any kid, you know, like (laughs) nothing was working out. And so I'm like, I just, I don't know what to do. And like this embryo adoption deal, like it just seems like a big, a lot, you know, like to step into not knowing if it was going to work out and honestly kind of feeling like it probably wouldn't work out because so many things had not worked out. It was, it was scary. How sure, I mean, you just said you weren't sure, like how sure were you that you were going to, I'm assuming go through maybe a complicated process, perhaps make a financial investment to adopt an embryo which is different than, I mean, we never know what anything, what life is ever going to give us, but in every other adoption scenario, other than embryo, like when it's finalized, there's a viable human being. Whereas an embryo, like, I don't know exactly how it works, but I'm guessing like you could uh, go through that entire process, adopt an embryo, and then it could not take it could not right right I mean that was very likely especially like we just had no idea well we just I had several health issues which I did not I still have them but I didn't know about them when we first started embryo adoption but I did know about them before uh, before embryo transfer and so it was really scary because it seemed unlikely but I you know we we've always had the policy my husband and I like on this journey um, of adoption and growing our family the last um, 13 years is just like, if there's an opportunity, we're just going to move forward and like open our hands to what the Lord might have for us. And if it's a no, it's going to be obvious that it's a no, you know, so we're just going to keep walking forward until the doors are closed. And, and I have always like, prayed that for each situation that we've been in, just, you know, open the doors that are supposed to be open and close the doors that are supposed to be closed and like tried to have the best attitude about whether they were closed or open. But yes, it was a, it was a lot to go through if it had ended in a, this isn't a no. Yeah. So do you adopt multiple embryos at a time in in case like it doesn't, take or so tell us more a little bit about the process like did you use an agency
This episode is sponsored by The Village, our online membership community. The Village is for you if you feel like no one gets your life, you crave authentic and supportive community, you want a one-stop shop for training and resources, and if being an adoptive parent feels harder than you ever imagined. Inside The Village, we offer things like mom and dad only gatherings, workshops with guest experts, behavior Q&As, Enneagram conversations, and continuing support for overcoming blocked care. As a valued podcast listener, we want to offer you a special code to get 50% off your first month. So go to theadoptionconnection.com slash village and use the code podcast. You're pouring your heart out for your family, and we want to pour into you. So tell us more, a little bit about the process. Like, did you use an agency? Okay. So there are options here. We did use an agency and you can match privately. Like there are Facebook groups where people match. Um, To me, that, that really opens you up to the possibility of scamming. And so now, now there's no like money exchanging hands in these Facebook groups. Like that's illegal and weird and not, not that kind of scamming, but just like, there are crazy people out there that will pretend they have embryos, get your hopes up and then not really have embryos just because they're crazy, weird internet trolls. So that kind of thing happens. There are also like fertility clinics that have like remaining embryos from people's, which all of embryo adoption is embryos that remain after people do IVF. And, um, but they'll, but they will just like anonymously give embryos to people on a wait list. And I definitely didn't want to do anything like that. Um, just on my understanding of the adoption world and the, you know, listening to adult adoptees and knowing the trauma and all of that, like, I'm not going to just, I'm not bringing that into my family. Somebody who has completely anonymous beginnings, you know, I, we knew we didn't want to do that. An agency seemed like the best option to not get scammed and to make sure that it was truly treated like an adoption. Um, and we chose to move forward only with families that wanted an open adoption. Um, so that our son who we didn't know was a son at the time can have a a relationship with them and, and they're able to see, you know, what everyone knows what an open adoption is, but we were able to have that. So going through an agency really made it feel like an adoption and not just like a donation or some weird sciencey thing. So we went through an agency. Um, it was exactly like a private infant adoption would be in that we did have, we had to complete some courses. We had to do a home study. We had to make like a family profile with pictures and stories about, you know, just, all, all kinds of information about our family. And then they um, asked exactly like an infant adoption, like preferences and all of those things. And then matched us with some families who like we would have matched with and then handed them our profile books to read. And then the families placing the embryos and just the, so those families are families who have done IVF to grow their family. And then they had, remaining embryos, either they had a lot of embryos when they did IVF. And so they weren't going to have like 20 kids, you know, so they had a lot of remaining embryos or like a lot of situations are 
where someone is no longer able to carry an embryo, but they have remaining embryos and they want to choose families for them. So we were open to, as I told you, we only wanted four kids and we had three. So we only wanted one more child, but we did adopt two embryos um, and they were from different families. So two families chose us and then we choose them back. You know, they, they have a, they present us with their information. We choose them back. The way it works in embryo adoption is like, if the first embryo takes, then there's a, like a contract, the adoption. So the adoption is final before the embryo is transferred into the adoptive mother. Right. But there's a contract saying like, if the first embryo takes and we only wanted one child, then that second family gets their embryo back and gets to choose another adoptive family. So that's the arrangement we had. And it's different based. I mean, some families are placing seven embryos, 10 embryos, or it's just different for us. We only wanted the one pregnancy, the one baby. So that's how we did it. After the paperwork, uh, the adoption is finalized. Then the embryo is shipped from the clinic of the placing family to the clinic of the adoptive family. And then from there, it's like the second part of IVF as far as how it works. Um, I took, I had to have a lot of um, like prep work with the, with the doctor and I had to take estrogen, progesterone shots, um, prepare my body for a pregnancy. And then we transferred uh, our embryo in December of 2020. And then like 10 days later, you find out if you're pregnant or not. So that's kind of how it works. So interesting. And the open adoption part, like I had never really even thought, I mean, it makes total sense. And I had just never, it never crossed my mind. And so then you're talking about people who potentially arrange adoptions for multiple embryos, you know, three, four, five, 20, right. And Mm -hmm. you think about like all the, at that point, full siblings, right that are out in the world. So does your son have any full siblings outside of the birth, like the original family? No. So in our specific situation, they only had one embryo remaining. So it really was a perfect match because we were only looking for one. They only had one. And so it's just a relationship between our two families, but there are a lot of families who they'll, they'll connect like all together. Like you know, the original placing family will place with like three different families and that um, they like still, they all, you know, get together or they all send pictures. And so they have full siblings, I mean, in, in three different families or more. And there, I know it's like, it's not ideal, right? None of this is like how things are supposed to be. So I'm not saying that, but it can be kind of, beautiful, you know, for, for those families to have that relationship and those siblings to all know each other, um, like make the best out of the hard situation. You have open adoptions with any of your other children. Well, interestingly enough, um, the original answer was no, but when I was pregnant, um, it really opened up conversation with my kids about like, it just kind of helped them really think about their first mom being pregnant with them and stuff that I guess they hadn't really thought about because they had never really experienced pregnancy, but 
they were older. And so they, and I was really sick and it was a really hard pregnancy and it was really up in their business, you know, like it was affecting their lives. They started asking questions. Um, it just kind of changed some dynamics for all of us. I'd say it even gave me more compassion um, and more understanding of um, their all of they, their first mom and what she went through for them. And, you know, so because of all that, we did some digging with all of our kids and I'll keep their stories, their stories, but we do now have an open adoption with one of our kids' birth families because of conversations that started when I was pregnant, which led to us being able to find some people, connect with them. And we've even gotten to meet them in person this summer. And it's been really great for that kiddo and and for all of us. But I don't know if we ever even would have had those conversations if I wasn't never experienced pregnancy. So that's been kind of a cool side effect. Yeah. So the reason I asked is I'm wondering if there are any notable differences between And I know all open adoptions categorically are all different because of dynamics and situations, Mm -hmm. but is there anything that you would say is different about an open embryo adoption from like other types of open adoptions? Well, I don't know how to say this, like, and not, I don't want to disregard anyone's feelings, but I think it, it appears to me from my perspective, which is only my perspective that it's it's easier for someone to place an embryo and um than it is for someone to place a child who was already born or in the case of foster care to lose that child um and and so some of that it's like there's a um n- there aren't as many hard things in our relationship with Noah's genetic family because They've never, I don't know. It was like they knew what they were choosing. Um, and they, not that everybody doesn't, I don't know how to say this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, well, there's less bonding. I mean, even like, like for domestic infant adoptions, there's still that whole process of caring creates a lot of emotional bonding, which may not happen with an embryo that you didn't carry. Right. I think there is still some of that. And I'm sure when they see him and he looks like their children, you know, like, and and they, we send pictures back and forth all the time. They live far away. So we haven't had the opportunity to meet them yet, but I, I know there are feelings there, but it's like, because they were in a relationship with us before any of us knew what he even looked like. And because I gave birth to him, it's all kind of like, we more organically create like an extended family type relationship rather than like a baby being taken from one family given to another. And then those two families trying to repair a hurt. Does that make sense? Like it just is more natural in an unnatural situation. Well, and I also think, you know, even in private adoption, where a birth mother chooses an adoption plan. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is always an impossible choice. Like mothers do not place, make adoption plans under the best of circumstances. Right. Right. And I feel like embryo adoption is a little bit different. The reasons why a family chooses embryo to place an embryo for adoption are 
different. Mm -hmm. A birth mother making. There's not, there's not that like external hardship. Now they have gone through infertility and they have like hopes for all of these embryos. And I think it is hard that they know they are not able to carry all of them or to parent all of them or whatever, but it, it is different. There's not as much hardship going on externally that, or, and perhaps maybe, and I'm that totally projecting. So, so am wrong. I, I feel very awkward saying any of this because I'm like, you know, none of this is my experience. It is my observation, but I'm also, but you're one story, right? Yeah. Right. I'm one story. And if, if either two, if either of the families that we have open adoptions with, because I've said we have two and they're very different. If they were like, you're so off base, I'd be like, okay, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I, they ever listen, just know, I'm, so, I'm yeah, sorry if I got yeah. that wrong. Um, I'm just wondering too, like in a situation where you maybe have two embryos and you are able to carry one to term, and then there's a remaining one to place, like that is almost a good situation because you didn't need both because you were successful. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. In, right. In carrying right. one. So, right. Yeah. That's the yeah. optimistic part of me. Yeah, right. Yes. Those. Yes. But you know, it's just like, all of it is complicated. And as I said, you know, never like the way it should be, but. Well, I appreciate your story. So if folks have never considered embryo adoption or maybe they are mm -hmm. considering it. And so, yeah. you know, they Googled it and found our conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, I mean, you've told us a lot, which I think is super helpful is, but what would you tell people who are thinking about it? I would say that if you do move forward with embryo adoption, that it would be very important. It is very important to treat it like an adoption, a typical adoption and remember that it's an adoption. I think, you know, in the world of adoption, there have been like adoption kind of changes with generations, like what, you know, what we focus on and what we learn and what we do right that we've done wrong before. And, you know, there used to be a lot of deception in adoption and that's, parents not telling their children they were adopted until the kids found out when they were 40 or something else traumatic like that. And that really doesn't happen a lot anymore with adoption, but I think it does still happen with embryo adoption because, you know, you can really pull one over on everybody with embryo adoption. Like our son looks like us. Like I, there are people that don't know, you know, and that, that tell me all the time how much he looks like my husband. And I'm like, oh, that's funny, you know? Okay. Um, but, but I think, you know, focusing on the fact that it is an adoption that, you know, you have to respect like your child's whole story that in, in, in the case of embryo adoption, their whole story started before they were even in the womb. So it's, it's different. Um, but really focusing on that. And then just like with, um, traditional adoption, you know, I have learned how important it is to listen to adult adoptees. And I've also really done the work to listen to donor conceived adults um, in the process of getting myself and my family prepared for embryo adoption. Um, there are lots of hard things to hear, but then like, you know, just the same with listening to adult adoptees, there are hard truths and there are encouraging things. And it's the same. Um, those embryo adoption is a little newer, I guess. Um, but there have been donor conceived adults for a long time. And that's where, you know, like one parent does use their 
sperm or egg, and then they use a donor sperm or egg to create the embryo. And so there's a lot of the same feel of embryo adoption. Um, just with embryo adoption, it's both parents that are not the biological parents of the child. So any kind of adoption you get into, like you need to know what you're getting into. And and here I am, I, you know, my baby, he's 11 months. And so I'm sure that there are things that I'm going to learn about embryo adoption from him that I don't know right now, because I sure have learned a lot from my other three kids that I didn't know 12 years ago before we adopted any of them. So. Yeah. Do you know any adults who are embryo adoptions? Is that a thing yet? I, I, it is a thing yet. There are some, um, I do not know anyone personally. If anyone knows, I'm throwing it out into the universe. If anyone knows an adult adoptee who is an embryo adoption, we would yes. love to talk to you on the podcast. Yeah. Great story. Or, I mean, just learning. Like, I'm just, yeah, I would love to know. I would love, yes. Curious. Yes. I mean, like I told, you know, told you, I, like, I, no, I love nothing more than uh, to hear an adult adoptee tell me all the things. So, yes, I would love to hear from an adult who was adopted as an embryo. Yeah. Okay. Rachel, I'm so grateful for your willingness to share your transparency. I, I mean, part of what, why I love podcasting is because I get to have these conversations and I'm, I, I learn, I'm always learning. So if people want to connect with you, I'm specifically thinking non-embryo adoption related, but Mm -hmm. Uh, travel for adoptive families with all the letters of diagnoses and all the needs. <laughs> How might they find you? <laughs> As I told you before, I um, I can definitely relate to those people. So you can find me on Instagram at Bell Travel Co. Or you can email me um, if you want us to talk specifically about a trip you're planning or questions you have, Rachel at belltravel.co. So that's CO. There's no M. <laughs> that's important. Yeah. And then I have a website too. It, it will be ready by August 16th when this comes out, but it, it is not today, but it is um, belltravel.co also. Perfect. Well, we will have all of those things right in the show notes. If you don't want to remember whether it's .com or .co, you can just go right to the show notes and click on it. And you can find those at theadoptionconnection.com slash 189. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. Our new Instagram handle is at postadoptionresources. Or better yet, join our free Facebook community at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. And remember, you're a good parent doing good work. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.